on this episode of AV Week, the viability of esports in the AV industry. What are the five stages of grief when it comes to chip shortages and art in the AV world? All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 571, recorded Friday, July 29th, 2022. Art and AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, I, I, this might be, this isn't the farthest away everybody's been, been, but it's really close. First and foremost, the farthest away, oh, that's farthest, the farthest east from me, Neil Flooster, uh, our friend over in the UK from Crestron Electronics. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. How you doing? I am well, brother. Uh, second up, uh, as a young lady I met just a couple weeks ago, uh, our friends over at USC, Adeline Tatum. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Blessing. Absolutely. And last but not least, uh, another Midwesterner. Um, he's from Maryland, but he's in the Midwest now. Dave Pedigo uh, from RLX. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and Dave is over in uh, in Indianapolis land. So technically, I guess you're still Midwest. I mean, you're Eastern time zone, so. I, I know. what We are the furthest on the Eastern time zone, though. So, you know, yeah, you uh, come June 24th, it's still light at 1030 at night, which as a cranky old man, that doesn't make me happy. Well, this is why they need to get rid of, of daylight savings time. I agree with that for sure. I'll start that argument right there off the top. So anyhow, <laughs> um, let's get it. Actually, uh, an article from our friends over at AV Magazine. Supply chain shortages cause, quote unquote, the five stages of grief in clients. Um, he's not wrong. So... Um, there was a, a this is a, actually a write up of our, our, our friends over at the AV Super Friends podcast talking about it uh, from uh, Guy Campos writes it up. But in the podcast is you, you've got these five different stages of, 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 of grief. Uh, according to the article, the denial phase can be difficult to judge, according to Justin Rexing of Western Kentucky University. In this phase, he'd experienced writing emails that might say a project will take an outlandishly long time, such as a year, and they write back, okay. <laughs> Almost like as if they're ignoring it. Dave, we're gonna start with you on this, and I'll, I'll give context to everybody here so, so we can understand where everybody's living. Um, Dave's a manufacturer, right? RLX makes uh, soundproofing uh, material. Certainly his, his customers are AVI SPL and Varix and AVI systems and, and certainly CTI. Um, what are you hearing and, and, and did these folks leave out any of the stages of, of, of grief? Oh, I mean, I think they left out the biggest stage, which is uh, constant stress and ulcers. So um, it's, uh, it's painful. Um, you know, the, the, as a manufacturer of a non-electronics component, uh, I would say that the supply chain part of it um, is it's not hitting us as much as labor shortage is. Um, it took us five months to get a sea container shipped out. 
and um, our, our shipping container costs, like we would send a sea container somewhere and it'd be like $4,500. And the next thing you know, it's $22,000 to ship out that sea container. So the, when we look at the, the, um, the shortage of products, that's, that's super, super painful. Um, and I can't believe that we're at a, at a point where people are in the acceptance phase, which is like, okay, I get it. Um, uh, I, it, it's a real thing. It's really painful. And the one thing I guess I would stress is I know that it's really hard on the integrator. I understand that completely. It's just as hard on the manufacturer, if not harder on the manufacturer. I, I mean, I don't think that's probably fair to say it's harder because as a small integrator, you know, you're really counting on this revenue to come in to keep you going. But it's it's painful. And the one thing I'd say is, is don't accept, expect this to end quickly. Um, uh, we're probably still another year, at least away from, from normalization, if not 18 months at this point. Um, and that's just because we've never seen anything like this. There's a log jam. Um, and the hardest part is, is the lack of labor. And uh, whether we want to admit it or not, there's a certain percentage of people who don't want to work anymore uh, and or don't want to do the work that they were doing. And so the shortages aren't just because the chips aren't being made. You can't get dock workers to work in docks. You can't get sea containers because the sea containers aren't being moved from the docks. I mean, we're we had a we had a, a product that that we brought in and, you know, it sat on a boat for about seven weeks because it just couldn't get off the boat. And so I'd love to say that it's um, it's uh, it's it's going to be resolved quickly, but I don't think so. I think this is it, we're still in it for the long haul. So acceptance is probably where we need to be in that stage of guilt or uh, sorry, stage of grief, <laughs> stage of grief and yeah, guilt, grief, whatever. Yeah, uh, if 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 nobody's ever heard of or seen John Oliver, um, Give yourself a favor. Take take 15, 20 minutes and watch uh, a week or so goes episode by the time this posts. Uh, he did a a takedown on on a takedown a, a dive into inflation, right? And what's causing the inflation? I would I would argue that there's more than one reason for this shortage, just like there's more than one reason for inflation. Um, and if nothing else, John Oliver's funny in my opinion, uh, uh, and he's British. So Neil. Um, what is what? What are some of the the stages that that you are, are you face both from a manufacturing standpoint, but also that you're you're fielding from some of your uh, your customers, or, or what's what's a stage maybe that that the uh, the folks missed? Well, I mean, uh, different to David, we we obviously need chips. I mean, chips are what what fires and fuels Crestron um, from a product point of view, and the fabs. There are only three or four global fabs that can make the silicon wafers that then the chips come from. That's that's the biggest challenge. I mean, Crestron has been, um, you know, been quite vocal. And our customers have been quite vocal from from the early days around the challenges of availability of product. One of the things that's that's been um, amplifying that is actually it's the number of orders. You know, we're still shipping. You know, now the same, if not more, orders than we were shipping at the same time last year. It's just we've got twice as many orders. The demand has increased. Which then, you know, when you made the plan and you planned to have the amount of silicon and whatever in, 
when <laughs> then the demand has gone up, yeah, but what can you do? I mean, obviously, as a manufacturer, we, we will always look and try and, and, and find alternatives, you know, because again, there are only a, a few chips on the market, a few bits of silicon that can do, you know, Dante or, you know, AK, 4K, whatever it might be, whatever the requirement might be. But the, the challenge is from a quality point of view, you can't just go and, you know, completely redesign a product. It's got to go through, you know, heat testing, RF testing, you know, uh, emissions testing. UA testing. Exactly. You know, I was at the engineering um, plant this week, actually, in uh, Orangeburg in New Jersey. I think Orangeburg, again, it's over there. Um, and we saw the warehouses. We saw the lorries being loaded with kits. My first time in Jersey. What can I say? I, I thought it was New York and New Jersey. They're all the same. Anyway. Um, Whoa, whoa, that's <laughs> It's funny, apparently our car park, if you go stand in the car park in, in, in one of the Crescent offices, you've got like, you stand there, it's New York, and you stand here, it's New Jersey. I, who knew? Anyway. So so really quickly, I, I am going to let you finish this, but just if you've never been to, to if you've never been to Crestron's facilities, um, it is right, right there where they're located geographically, you can drive down the high, drive down the road, the country road, and for for a mile you're in New York, and for another mile you're in New Jersey, and it goes back and forth, hundred percent. Thank you for defending me on that. <laughs> and again, it, it is an amazing first time I've been to to the Crestron. Oh, it's, it's stunning. And again, we've got bucket loads. It's like five or six different buildings in Rockley. Amazing. But yeah, I went to Orangeburg, which is where warehousing and QA is. And again, we saw the boxes being loaded on the lorry. I put a video out on LinkedIn and Twitter to prove and to show that. But we also saw a lot of the testings. And we have this thing called a HALT test, which is the um, accelerated life testing, basically. It makes you go gray uh, while you stand there. But they vibrate things and heat things up and cool things down rapidly to, to show a sort of five-year life cycle. So again, if you choose, you know, to take out TI chip and put in a Broadcom chip or whatever it might be, because it can do the same. You've then got to go through all of that that work to go through all that that testing to then get the product out. So again, it's not something that you can quickly fix by switching vendor of, of chips. And again, one of the biggest things that uh, Dan Feldstein said, you know, is that you know, we are shipping exactly, if not more products out than we did last year. It's just that we've got a truckload more orders because of the demand and the challenges in, in the market. So we are, the, the orders are going out, the the, the, ship, the trucks were being, being stacked up and we are doing everything we can and again i know it must be really difficult for customers who want pro i mean i want product I, I ordered you know this camera from sony back in january and it arrived last week you know everywhere it's a domestic camera tesla a, a crestron box the world and the industry all have the, the same supply chain and also the demand uh, issues that we just want stuff at the moment and we just can't get it so it is really tough so uh, some minds go off to the customers that want their gear and we are working as hard as we can and as fast as we can to get stuff out for sure all right adeline you are the customer right you are you are these guys customer you're my customer um not really we don't sell to adeline uh to usc but you know you also have customers as well you've got faculty you've got professors um so what are some of the areas that, that things that, that you're hearing when it comes to you know the 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 grieving the five stages of, of this shortage. Yes, we we do have, we are customer. We have our faculty that we support in our new upgraded learning environment spaces. However, um, I should say we're fortunate in the sense that we had that um, two, two years to prepare our classroom. 
um, USC decided to digitize our entire campus just before COVID, and we had ordered our supplies in advance to that. However, we still do have that shortage when we need our UC engine from Crestron. We got to put it in six months before if one goes down. So we are actually affected by it, but um, I must say Joe, our director, did a great job of making sure that we ordered an extra amount of supplies when we first ordered. So faculty here at USC, we really don't feel the pinch of not having the equipment to replace something if it's one or two, but when we do put in our orders now, it is delayed six months. So Joe would say to us, um, team, you need anything? We need to know now for six months. So we pre-plan. We've been pre-planning. All right, very good. All right, gentlemen, our next, uh, and Adeline, our next uh, story comes to us actually from our, um, from our website, aviation.tv. And uh, Michael DeBella, Director of Commercial Product Marketing from Crestron, uh, writing about eSports. Quote, unquote, technology you already know. Michael writes in here that uh, there's three different types of eSports venues. He certainly thinks that there's a market here. First is labs, which Adeline, we're going to get in, and training venues, actually. Uh, actually, and competition venues. All right, Adeline, you're 100% on this. Uh, <laughs> um, they've got a great space. I'm going to let her talk about it because it's not, it's not, my, uh, not my space. Um, but Michael talks about the three different types of, of spaces for eSports. He says, certainly there is a market here. Neil, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, is this a market? Uh, is eSports really a viable market for the AV industry? It's funny. I, I, until I joined Crestron, I didn't even know about this eSports business. You know, we, and again, we were uh, at IFC uh, earlier this year, and we had you know, the F1 simulators on the stand demoing yep. this, and we had, had an Infocom. And again, I just thought it was, you know, oh, it's the way of getting people onto the booth and to the stand, you know, have a go on the F1 racing. But as I've kind of dug into this and delved into it, it's interesting that there is certainly a demand for this. You know, the gaming industry is is huge. And again, there's, there's different aspects of this. One is obviously the ability to play uh, and to sport over distance. And again, we uh, what we were demonstrating wasn't just the case of bringing people onto the booth. It's the fact that we can send in real time the, the 4K content at super high uh, refresh rates at, at super low latency to be able to play you know, esports over distance, over an IP network, over a gig network. But also, you know, there's a whole bunch of, uh, from the developing side, you know, the, if you think about, you know, the next PlayStation or Xbox, you know, being able to get those development units, um, they are hundreds of thousands of dollars for the PlayStation 12 or the Xbox 14 or whatever the, the new one's going to be. And being able to share that between the developers to be able to then develop and test these games and get that, again, high refresh, high resolution content across the network um, is, is huge. And again, it's going to be 4K, it's going to be 8K, it's going to be, you know, the surround sound, Dolby Atmos and all of those great things that these devices need and, and need to be able to deliver that over a network, display it on a display, and then obviously um, be able to output it from a, an audio point of view. So I definitely think from a, an AEV standpoint, there's there's a piece of this for uh, for, for every manufacturer and um, part of the industry. All right. Adeline, uh, as I said, you guys have a space there at USC. Uh, it is absolutely impressive uh, when it comes to eSports. It is not just for eSports that you during the day you've actually got to do work on it. But at night, there's a switch, and 
there's actually a broadcast test, which I found found fascinating. So you can go there. Adeline, Adeline and, I, and I could sit by each other and do play-by-play -play of the esports. They've got a, a, a direct view LED wall that share, it, it's really slick. So Adeline, silly question for you guys at USC. What's, what is the viability of, of esports uh, in AV? Thank you, Tim. So eSport or eSport Lab is going to be our new addition to our ITS learning environment spaces and our digitizing labs. Um, it's not officially open as yet, so I won't speak too much to it, but it's coming. Um, Sharp did a great job of putting in our LED light, light um, wall sorry, this past week. It's beautiful. So I'll leave you with that about the eSports, so you look out for it. Um, or other rooms, yes, we have a podcast studio, um, podcast and TikTok studio that's coming in that um, venue, I am hoping, and it's a part of the plan to actually start up a faculty podcast. So I will be reaching out to you, Tim and um, Taylor and Neil, to get some help, some advice on how to go about, you know, making sure that our faculty's voices are heard. Um, this is what we're doing this spaces for for our students and our faculty voices there at USC be, to be heard and to know that we care about them and the AV industry is here to support them. Uh, Mr. Pedigo, you'll have the last word on this. Uh, what's, uh, wh where does eSports belong? It belongs with us for sure. I mean, come on, buddy. It's, it's the wave of the future. I mean, if you look at Twitch as an example, you know, you're getting, you know, some of these uh, guys and gals are getting tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of views. Like I did not realize when I was younger that it could be lucrative to be a nerd playing games. So it's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and you know, if you look at like the NBA has a, an esports uh, league and at, you know, at football, all of those, whether it's first person shooter games, whatever it's, it's massive. Its potential is massive. If you, you know, uh, you know, in, in my office, we have a bunch of gamers who work in our office and and it's just incredible how much gaming is important to them. Um, you know, I think we're we're as a society moving away from needing big biceps to big thumbs. But uh, besides that, no high performance, especially venues, there's going to be venues where you have competitions, those kind of things. So um, I agree with you on uh, Neil when you talk about like it's going to be Atmos, 8K, et cetera. The the network constraints are going to be really, really high. So in these in these gaming venues where you're talking about, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 people playing at the same time, all of them requiring high bandwidth, low latency, it's uh, it's going to require a lot of networking. So uh, yeah, I'm really 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 high on e-games i think it's just we're, we're right at the, the beginning of something huge and um before we hit this last story it, it is I, I am of a certain age that i um i will always probably remember my father telling me that i you'll never make any money playing video games right get off that nintendo system because that's not really a career I can't say that to my kid. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, the amount of money some of these gamers are making, I don't understand. Oh. Why in God's earth are you watching someone play a video game instead of just playing the video game? 
My son, he just sits there watching people play Minecraft on oh, okay. YouTube. So <laughs> it's the same reason you watch football every Sunday. You know what? If uh, if I play football these days, I'm going to wind up pulling a hammy. I am very, very, very not likely to wind up breaking my thumb. So, you know. All right. Last story here comes to us. Oh, my Lord. Uh, this from AV Network and our friends over at, at SCN. The Unreal Engine, which just takes, you know, another step into, into uh, video games, takes guests to a different time, place, and world. Uh, it's a fascinating story here. Uh, Nightscape has a new venue that uses the real-time rendered Unreal Engine uh, graphics. And if you're not familiar with Unreal, it's the, the back-end thing that, that powers... Um, powers a lot of, of video games today they're using it to update and provide dynamic content and dynamic spaces uh the one the article here is about nashville um the 12th and porter space it, it is a state-of-the-art entertainment facility and it's more than just projection mapping they're changing the furniture they're changing the walls they're updating all these things and it, it's a combination of a little bit of, of video games here again because the uh, unreal is is what powers a lot of the video games that, that, that I play, that your kids play. Um, but it's also projection mapping. It's also uh, leveraging LEDs. Um, so Adeline, really, before we, we kind of get out of here, and this one's more of a fun story, um, when you look at stuff like this and then you kind of walk around, Adeline's at, at USC, Southern California, so LA is there, Orange County. Where else do we see AV kind of being used in a unique way or in art or in, you know, just kind of outside the normal classroom, boardroom, you know, live events arena? Well, just generally looking around here in LA, I've noticed that AV are being used in the malls, which was fascinating to me. When you walk in the mall, you see the signages, even on the, the driving on the freeways. Um, we also see them like in the hospitals now. They're, they're getting very famous in the different um, medical fields. Uh, other than that, we must say in the big arenas where sport is, is one of the most popular places that AV is being utilized more in my perspective. Yeah, all right. Pedigo, same question. You know, where do you, where do you see it? Um, Dave and I are, are huge hockey fans. Um, one of the, my favorite places uh, for AV uh, is, is projection mapping on the ice. Uh, but where else do you see it? Oh, you know, it's funny because like the, the image that they show on there made me feel, uh, think of Altered Carbon. I don't know if you watched Altered Carbon on Netflix, but they kind of changed it. So you can really, I mean, it's almost anywhere that, you know, you're adjusting light. But I think it's really bars, restaurants, et cetera, um, that are going to really you don't have to invest in as much uh, changing of the decor. It doesn't have to be so difficult if you can switch from having to change out tiles or do those kind of things to having walls that can just be washed with light. So I think that that truly, uh, I, I know I said this before that we're at the tip of the iceberg, but uh, you know, being able to use light, uh, now it has to be usually somewhere where it doesn't, impact daytime but at nighttime you know nightclubs uh in in even the homes being able to transform your home into something completely different uh is fantastic i that image just just blew my mind 
And uh, I mean, you and I, you saw the projection mapping in Amsterdam where they're projection mapping on um, on buildings as, as art pieces and those kind of things. So, uh, and I agree with you that uh, hockey is the best way for projection mapping. Uh, I just disagree with which hockey team you think uh, is the best hockey team. So, um, that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. So, although you have one of my favorite players, so. Oh man, is he a stud? So, um, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll come down and watch a hockey game with you uh, uh, in St. Louis. We'll do that. So, anyways, so yeah, large venues, small venues, anywhere. All you have to do is use light, and it can instantly transform it. And I look at it this way. Sorry, just for a second. I use TV and movie references a lot. Did any of you see the Seinfeld Two Face episode, which is where Seinfeld dated a girl? But the way that her face looked in the light, she was either beautiful or horrifying looking. And it's a great episode because it's just how the light hits her face. And it's the same thing with surfaces and those kind of things that just changing the light quickly can transform a space from uh, from dull and drab to, to amazing uh, quickly. So I, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic on projection mapping. All right. Neil, you have the last word on this one. Uh, yeah. What else do we see, AV? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, with the Unreal Engine, I think the the interesting piece at the moment that, that's certainly growing is this whole kind of augmented reality, virtual reality piece, especially with like Meta from uh, Facebook. And it's going to be interesting to see what what goes on in that space. And again, I can see this this Unreal piece fitting into that. Um, the the other thing that absolutely blew my mind um, was it was the first time I went to New York, and so last Sunday. Um, landed in JFK and we went, okay, we've got a couple of hours, let's go into the city. So I went to Times Square and, you know, we've got a little, we've got a little screen in London, Art Piccadilly Circus, but boy, <laughs> I mean, wow, um, really, really impressive what's going on with the AV in, in Times Square. I've never seen anything like that. Again, the way there was one build, I can't remember, it kind of wrapped around and there was this kind of three-dimensional thing that kind of, it kind of looked like it was coming out at you um, as we as we came around, and that was I've seen it a couple of times on LinkedIn and Facebook where you have this thing where this, this thing comes out and grabs you, and I just thought ah it's just rubbish, but that was really impressive. And again, just the amount of of AV screens and and stuff that were going on in Times Square. I mean, boy, you guys are really um, pumped it up to eleven there again. I thought we had a big one in Piccadilly Circus, but yeah, wow. <laughs> And that was impressive. Piccadilly is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. That, that's an impressive. Yeah, but it's just, no, I think it's just one screen. Whereas I say, you, it's like omni omnidirectional in Times Square. So it's just it's all it's three sixty degree all around you. Sorry, Evelyn. I want to invite you to Canada in town and okay. see the screens down there. We have some fascinating screens on the main street, whereby it goes wrapping all the way around the block as well, and especially at the sporting stadiums. Okay. All right. I'll be there. Uh, if that's an open invite, yeah, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring your flex with me. Is that projection mapping or is that, um, or is that just, uh, um, LED mostly? I am displays? not 100%, but it looks like projection mapping. All right. Very good. Uh, and, and I will, I will define, uh, real quickly. Uh, I, I am a fan of the blues. Mr. Pettigo is a fan of the Washington Capitals and the player in question is Mr. TJ Oshi. Um, not only is he a killer player, but he has an excellent first name because the T in TJ Oshie stands for Tim. He also has a luscious head of hair, just like yours. <laughs> he does. He does. He does. He's like 20 years younger and 200 pounds lighter too. So, all right. 
on that <laughs> note, thank you all so much. Uh, Mr. Patigo, how do people connect with you or, uh, or Orlex? Yep, either it, very easy. Uh, dpetigo at Orlex or just at dpetigo on Twitter. Very simple. Very simple. Uh, Mr. Bluster, thank you, sir. Um, uh, how do people connect with you? Well, I've got probably the, well, like Dave, I guess the complicated surname, but uh, you can find me at Neil Fluster or Influister on uh, LinkedIn, YouTube. Chris TV is my is my baby, so go and look at that um, and catch me at, uh, I'm not going to Cedia, although Creston's back there. I'll be at the Modern Work Summit in Orlando um, on that side of the pond uh, next month or the month after. Um, so yeah, just find me on social media. Uh, it, is, it, is technically, it is technically two months because we're recording this in July. Uh, but this will post in August, which not to get confused. So, so next month. Yeah. All right. Very good. Adeline, thank you so much, ma'am. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you in person and uh, see you, everything you guys did at USC. So uh, how do people connect with you or uh, connect with your team at USC? Thank you for having me. And it was really nice to meet and have a little social time with you as well. Um, here at USC, you could connect via email, tatuma at usc.edu, or you could join my LinkedIn page as well. Um, my name, Adeline Tatum. All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Aviation, uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me uh, on the Twitters uh, because it's about time to start complaining about the, the Chicago Bears. But uh, you can go by the website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. Uh, find this program and a host of others. Uh, Taylor Moore, our fantastic uh, writer and editor, he kicked off, uh, a, I, I call it a new uh, podcast. He's, he's restructuring an existing one called AV Profession, where he talks to and interviews a number of folks in the industry who are just starting out just like he is. So check that out as well. Uh, Neil mentioned the Modern Work Summit. I will be handing, uh, heading out there as well. Um, but we will also, as Aviation, be heading out to Cedia uh, and a number of other events uh, throughout the uh, the fall. So all that and more at Aviation.tv. It's Aviation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. AV Week.